listening to the Save the Marriage podcast. Your marriage can be saved and strengthened if you have the right information. Join Dr. Lee Bauckham as he explores ways for you to improve your relationship and your life, starting right now. Hey, this is Lee Balkum. Welcome to the Save the Marriage podcast. This is the podcast designed to help you save your marriage no matter where you are in the process, even if your spouse has given up. In fact, that's when many people find me. It's interesting. I've had people say, you know, why don't you write a book on how to improve your relationship? And the fact is that that's what I started with. (laughs) That's where my process started. I was trying to write a book about how to have a great marriage. The problem was not many people wanted to figure that out until their marriage was in trouble. And what I realized is the same way you get to a great marriage is how you restore a relationship. And this is a fact of life and everything. The ways we get to a better place tend to be the ways we get out our, ourselves out of trouble. We just kind of miss that along the way. What I'm hearing from people a lot these days is about uh, feeling bored in their relationship, feeling like they're only having roommates with each other. I've gotten emails and emails and emails and phone calls, and it comes up in coaching calls where they're saying, you know, is it even worth saving this relationship if we're just bored all the time with each other? We don't want anything to do with each other. We feel like roommates. We are stuck in a rut. A lot of people have used that analogy of Groundhog Day. You know, if you know that movie in Groundhog Day, the buzzer happens each morning, the alarm goes off, and the day is exactly the day before. Not like the day before, but the day before. And in the process, the main character keeps trying to figure out how to escape that. Now, here's the interesting thing. While the day starts over again, the day he lives out is not the same. And so it's interesting when people say, well, it's like Groundhog Day. Well, the fact is that in Groundhog Day, things are changing. And he finally figures out how to escape that cycle. So even in people telling me it's like Groundhog Day, there is the opportunity for change. So where are we talking about in this process of feeling like we're bored with our spouse or that we're just kind of living in roommate as roommates? A lot of that comes down to feeling like you lost the passion. So I want to distinguish two different things right off the bat, and that is the difference between love and passion. They are not the same. So many times we confuse those two things of like, you know, if I'm not feeling this tingly, passionate feeling towards somebody, I'm not in love with them. I don't love them. And the fact is that they are parts of a similar process, but they are actually distinct. You see, love is about connection and care. I feel connected with somebody. I care about them. A lot of times what I've noticed is that in the midst of a marriage on the decline, there comes a point when somebody says, you know, I I care for you, meaning they still have feelings of connection. They just don't know how to express that. They just don't have that feeling of love for each other because they've crossed over and believed it's about the passion piece. Now, passion is about connection and chemistry. It has an element of sexuality to it, of attraction to it, of sensuality to it that comes from that chemistry. You know, there are just some people that we just feel that attraction for. And many times that's where a relationship starts. You see someone, you go, wow, I'm attracted to them. That often is uh, something that is happening before there's actually any genuine connection. 
I hadn't met my now wife for very long before I knew I was attracted to her and I didn't even know her. I didn't know anything about her. And so the chemistry kicks in many times long before any depth of connection kicks in. We feel the attraction. Now, there's a problem though. I don't want you to hear that as meaning these are mutually exclusive things. There's either love or passion. There can absolutely be love and passion, but there is still a problem. The love and passion is when there's, love, there's connection, there's care, and there's chemistry. But what we're often waiting for is that lasting feeling of infatuation. It's what Gary Chapman calls the tingles. When he and I were uh, chatting, he uh, said that, you know, you've got to be careful because the tingles go away. And in a lot of research that he talks about, tingles has a lifetime uh, of about two years. Now, let's talk about that just for a minute, because many people are surprised when they fall madly in love with this person. They want to marry this person. They get married and suddenly things cool off. They think, did I marry the wrong person? What happened? What did we do wrong? Well, here's the thing. The big feelings that happen in the beginning of a relationship, the huge infatuation, that uh, head over heels feeling of being madly in love, it's not sustainable. Now, it, it can certainly kick off a lot of connecting with somebody because, you know, when the chemistry is there, you want to know all about them and uh, you pursue each other. And there's a lot of, of fun stuff that happens in that time frame. There's also a lot of scare stuff that happens in that time frame because you're so desperate to hold on to them. And that's what leads to the kind of the level of excitement that's often a part of that relationship. And then when you make it a commitment, some of what led to that excitement that you didn't realize, which was the fear of losing them, suddenly that piece is gone. They're still the same. They still look the same, still act the same. But that feeling that you have to hold on and that you have to chase and pursue and, and hold tight can begin to subside. And with that, the excitement begins to subside. There's another layer to this. We use that term madly in love. And as it turns out, the brain is getting a cascade of hormones and chemicals thrust into it when we're in that period of time that really does look a little bit like when people are out of touch with reality in a mental illness episode. <laughs> in other words, being madly in love is truly that. That's not a sustainable path for many people. Most of us have to get back to life. Most of us have to get back to our jobs or to schooling or just back to normal life again. And so our brain has to get back to that place where it is normal again. It has to find a normalized place in order to function. If you're going to make much happen in the world, being madly in love with someone that you're desperately trying to spend every moment with and trying to figure out how to get them to spend every moment is not particularly sustainable. So that has to move to a new level, kind of the new normal. But here's what happens. It feels so good to have that infatuation. People assume that there's something that's, that's love, right? And it, maybe it feels like it's not like any other relationship you had. So you say, oh, this really is the one. And yet still the feeling shifts. The feeling moves it cools a little bit. That doesn't mean that you can never have that attraction to your spouse again, that suddenly everything's just got to be humdrum. But something has shifted. 
And if you don't know that that's coming, you often uh, kind of enter into a failure to thrive part of your relationship. You don't keep moving it forward. You don't keep nurturing that part. You start moving away from the chemistry part because you're no longer motivated by the chemistry. So what happens is we have to either shift from tingles, that feeling of tingles, to intention, to where we're working on being intentional about that, of nurturing that romance, of nurturing that connection, or it's going to fade further. It's only two possibilities. And here's the problem. We start falling into some traps that are pretty normal if we don't know that we have to make the shift to intention. You see, there is a shift that happens in the brain. When we go from the adrenaline attraction to the endorphin attraction, the endorphin process in our brain functions when we nurture the endorphins. If I do loving things towards somebody, I'm going to feel more loving towards them. But if I'm waiting for my infatuation, for my adrenaline to push me to do those things and it's faded, I'm lost. What was pushing me along, that, that surge, that push, that desire, as that moves away, I have to choose. Instead of feeling pushed into it, I have to pull myself towards that. And, and it's not a have to, but it can be a shift that people aren't ready for. So it's an intentionality that has to step in to say, I'm going to keep pushing this forward. But we have life that keeps coming along. And there's several things in life that, if we're not careful, are going to get in our way. The first one is what I've called the pause button marriage. The pause button marriage is when you hit that stage where you go, okay, you know, we're together. We we got together. We got married. Now we got to start on the kids or start on the job or start on the hobbies or start on the travel or start on something out there. And so people hit the pause button thinking they're going to come back to their marriage, you know, when the kids get older, when the career is made, when the um, hobbies are kind of behind you and all those other places. And we hit pause button not knowing that that's fiction. There is no pause button in a relationship. So what often happens is it's either around job or kids, you decide that you, you need to kind of focus on that for right now. And now that the feelings have subsided a little bit, now that the tingles are a little more manageable and you don't feel that, that push or that desire to have every moment filled with your spouse, then those things come into play. And as they come into play, the connection is paused. So we hit the pause because the kids have to be raised, that they begin to take over our lives or the job has to be done to, to get to the place where we feel it's sustainable and, and everything's okay financially. And so we, we often hit the pause button for those reasons, assuming that when the kids go to school, when the kids leave the house, when the, the promotion is made, when the degree is won, when whatever happens, we get to that place, we go, oh, okay, now it's back to us. And we hit the unpause button and go, wait, who, who are you? Because along the way, you changed. And along the way, you disconnected, even if you thought you would pause the connection. You see, there is a fact about relationships. They're only, they're only progressing or receding. They're either growing or shrinking. That's the only two things that happen. There's no stagnant place for a relationship. You're either progressing further into your connection 
or you're regressing away from that connection. There's no stable place. You know it in the rest of your life. If you want to keep up with your friends, you have to keep up with your friends. If you don't keep up with your friends, they are no longer your friends after a while. You may say, oh, my friend, but in reality, you don't know what's going on in their life. You don't know what's happening around them because you haven't stayed connected. The connection is what keeps every relationship alive. When it falls away, so does the relationship. You just don't know it because you're still living in the same house and you're still going through the same habits and you're still going through the same motions until the pause button reason is gone. Until you come back and realize that the relationship has regressed. So the first big problem for that love feeling is the pause button marriage. The second one is because you paused your personal growth. And many people don't realize how that happens. But there is plenty of literature that shows that there comes a point in life when people stop trying new things. They stop listening to new music, stop trying new food, stop trying new habits, stop trying new hobbies, stop chasing interests. They kind of lock down. And the problem with that is when we lock down, we stagnate at that point. There's been studies about professionals that the last book they read in their profession was in their professional education. Maybe along the way they had to go to some continuing ed uh, training, but what we realize is, for the most part, people do what they were taught to do way back when they were first taught it, and they don't move forward with that. It's just kind of human nature to go, okay, now I've got this, because it's easier to keep going through the same process than to see what else is out there that's new. And so we stagnate. Now, that doesn't have to happen. We have a choice about that. We can choose to keep trying new food, trying new friends, trying new hobbies, trying new sports, trying lots of new things. And when we do that, there's something that happens. We bring energy into our lives. When we pause our personal growth, the stagnation carries over to lots of areas of life. Have you ever noticed somebody who suddenly becomes energized because they, they read a book or read an article or saw something new, and they tried something new. They tried a new hobby. They started a new class, and you see that there's a new energy, a new glow to them. Maybe they started a new exercise routine or a new, new place of interest, even if it's a new diet, and you see their interest in that because they're bringing some energy into their life. Here's the problem, though. Let's say you paused your relationship and you paused your personal growth. Now there's no energy coming in anywhere. The relationships, the marriages that are best sustained and most healthy are ones where they have continued to work on their connection and they have continued to bring in energy where they have things in their own life that are bringing new energy into the relationship. Because they're excited about things, they bring that into their relationship. Even if they're not doing them together, there is a place of, of new energy that comes into it. So there's the Paul's button marriage. There's the Paul's personal growth. And then there's another one. And that's the failure to shift to being a we. And this one happens because people don't even know that's what we're aiming for. That's the, the process of a marriage. You meet somebody, and at that point, before you meet them, right before you met them, you were a you. It was just you. And then you meet this person, and you go, oh, that's an interesting person. Still just you. It's you, that other person. But over time, you, you get to know each other. 
and it begins to be a you, me. So when I met my wife, I was a me. She was a me. <laughs> and over time, the her and the me began to be you and me. We began to do things together, you and me. And pretty soon, we're you kept together a lot, so you and me. And, and in that process of being you and me, we think, wow, we're a couple. We're, we're in this together. But what we miss is that there is a shift that happens in marriage that happens nowhere else, where we go from you and me to we. We're a team. We're in this together. We're a one. We're a unit. Now, that doesn't mean you lose your individuality. In fact, the best we is made up by two really strong me's who bring their best selves to that and meld it together into something else, to know that they have each other and each other's back at the same time. That's being a we, how we think about things like our resources and our time together and our family that begins to change how we make decisions. Here's the problem, though. It's a you and me that get married. And if they don't make the shift... Over time, the you and me begins to struggle because when you put two people together, it can become oppositional until it's you versus me. The you and me naturally pivots to you versus me if we don't cross to we. And that's when the love gets to be under attack because along with you versus me comes conflict and struggle. So those are the problems that kind of evaporate the feeling of love. One is it's starved of connection. Two is it's starved from our personal growth. And three, it's starved from the conflict that comes between. And so the love is muted by, first, distance. You just aren't in the same vicinity with each other anymore. You're doing your own things. You're doing your own life. You're going about your own day without much between. The second thing that happens is distraction, because if you're not focused on the relationship, you're distracted by everything else around you, all the things that are calling your name, all the the things that are possible to do, all the devices that are around us, all the voices around us, all the things that are calling for us. If we're not committed to the connection, we find ourselves in the midst of distraction. And after the distraction the next thing that happens that mutes it is disconnection. We don't even connect anymore. And so the further we disconnect, the less we feel that love, which leads to how we, re- we act towards each other, which is in disrespect. So in the process of distance, distraction, disconnection, and disrespect, we end up not being together in this. The love gets muted by all that. Not only that, we start wondering if we even like this person all based in the fact that we lost track of the need to stay connected and lost track of our own need for growth and lost track of the fact that we needed to be building something else. That's why I created that three-step process, the three C's of connecting with the spouse, changing yourself, and creating a new path that I use as the foundation for how I build this out in my Save the Marriage system and other works that I've done, all of that work, all of our coaching is around those issues because we know if we solve those issues, we get back to the relationship that's connected and loving. That's our foundation point. Now, if you find yourself stuck, if you're realizing that the love has gone away, it's been muted by some of the things we talked about, 
there is a path back. That's why I wrote the Save the Marriage System. It's why I created that. That's why we do the coaching. That's why we have all the other resources available. The starting point for all that is to jump over to savethemarriage.com. That's savethemarriage.com. Go ahead and grab the system and get busy rebuilding that so you get to the place where the love comes back. This is Lee Balkum wishing you the best as you work to save your marriage. You've been listening to Save the Marriage Podcast. For more information and help, please visit us at savethemarriage.com. Thank you.